your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. We're just here to take care of you, and we want to be easy for you to do business with. And it's interesting because some of these folks literally will kind of come in with their, uh, you know, they're just prepared for confrontation. Right? <laughs> they're just like, hey, I'm here. I'm a city person. I'm ready for you to, you know, tell me something I don't want to hear. And they kind of, they kind of go, oh, hey, wait a minute. This is interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize you were going to be nice people. Um, like, hey, we get, now, now we're in Missouri too. You know, Missouri yeah. is a laid back. You know, I mean, we're and and uh, you know, we got good good people here in Missouri. So it's that part of it's uh, pretty easy. Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ted McElroy. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your wins, have a better quality of life, and become the best leader you can be. Hey, have you subscribed to this podcast yet? Don't miss an episode. They're worth every single thing you paid for them, which is nothing because they're free. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button. Give us a rating and a review on your specific podcast player. This helps us with our podcast rankings and makes it easier for people to find us. And as always, please support those who help support us. episode 102 of this podcast, Chris interviewed Justin Kwan, Michelle Andrews, and Richard Ruth. They pointed out that as a profession, we have done a great job of letting our patients know that myopia is not a big deal. If you can see 2020, there is no worry. It is the high myopes that are more danger. And as they said, that message is tragic. Any myopia has a higher risk of maculopathy, glaucoma, and earlier cataract development. In the MySight one-day clinical trials, only 4% of study participants who got ProClear one-days stayed stable in their myopia progression over the three-year period. That means you can confidently say, parent, by not going to a system geared to slow the myopia progression, there is a 96% chance your child's vision will get worse. This may take away some of the choice your child has in the future as to how they will correct their vision. Choice not fear of the disease associations with myopia is what best resonates with parents when it comes to myopia control for their children. And with Cooper Vision's MySight One Day, we now have an FDA-approved single-use contact lens to lessen the progression of myopia in our patients. Contact your Cooper Vision representative to find out more about MySight One Day contact lenses. Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm Ted McElroy, and today I have a dear friend of mine. I think I say this every single time I do one of these podcasts. I have a really good friend of mine, Ryan Powell. Uh, Ryan is the owner, president, CEO, and head bottle washer at Vision Source Eye Care in Western Central and Northwest and pretty much the whole Western side of Missouri. Got 11 practices. We're going to get into that. 
Uh, he is a honors graduate from SEO. Uh, I am a graduate from SEO. I can't say honors. Uh, he was the young OD of the year for the MAO, for the MOA, the Missouri Optometric Association in 2008. And then two years later was president, which is kind of a, another neat thing. Uh, but Ryan, welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here today with us today. Hey, buddy. Great to see you again. Um, you are a dear friend or a great friend or whatever, whatever the uh, words may be. But yeah, great to see you. Um, your podcast is awesome, by the way. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I guess then we all should just throw in there. We're fellow troublemakers together. Uh, I think we end up getting in a lot of trouble <laughs> a lot of times together, too. So that makes us a lot of fun. Um, so I guess I, I, I'd like to start off kind of with your origin story. Um, how did you get to optometry? Um, what was it that appealed to you? Um, you know, where, where does that all start for you? Yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. So I'm a legacy. My dad was an optometrist. Um, I never once thought I would become an optometrist growing up, really didn't think much about it. Um, you know, you're, you're graduating high school, that comes faster than you think it's going to. And you kind of are thinking about what you're going to do next steps. And I went off to school with a business, so I'm going to get some sort of business degree. Um, and then I started thinking about my dad's life a little bit. We grew up in uh, Northwest Missouri, a town of about 10,000 people. Um, and I started thinking, you know what, my dad is in his robe drinking a cup of coffee in the morning when I go get on the school bus and he gets home from work at about five o'clock or so every day. We go on family vacation, you know, once a year, it's all great. Once or twice, maybe I get new shoes for school and Christmas is good. And so I thought, you know, I don't know what dad does between the coffee and the getting home at five, but maybe I should look into this a little bit. So um, started sparking my interest. And then I, so I went in and kind of watched him at work a little bit and, you know, really, I just saw my dad's pure enjoyment of being with the patients and the patients really loving the time they got to spend with him. And, um, and that's really what kind of sparked my interest in becoming an optometrist. So during my freshman year of undergrad, I did a one month kind of into the end of this year, they had a thing called May term. And so I went and observed in a retina specialist practice for about three and a half weeks or so. Um, and really started kind of learning about the eye and, you know, the eye is a fascinating thing. So it kind of appealed to me on that side, but um, that's really kind of why I decided I should head down this path. So how much time did you spend in your dad's practice going through high school? Yeah. So, so all of that came after high school. I, I think it, when we looked at one time, it was sort of like, you know, the, that old saying, you know, the shoe cobbler son wears shoes that are falling apart. I was like, Dad, I haven't had an eye exam in seven years. You know, maybe I should get into the office. Um, so not a lot, you know, growing up, you know, you go, well, as a kid, we went, cleaned my dad's office. We vacuumed the floors and dusted the counters. And my dad would pay us, my two brothers and I, my dad would pay us, a, you know, a dollar or two each. And we would immediately run around the corner. You know, this is in the 80s and, you know, mid 80s. We'd run around the corner to the little drugstore and buy a Smurf. So like little Smurf figurines were, you know, a buck or two. Immediately, we just threw our $2 on the counter. Oh, I got the soccer ball Smurf. But um, those are great days. My dad at that time had a very tiny practice. He had one, um, one little frame board on the wall in a little room in the back. 
Um, he had one 20 foot long exam lane. Um, it was himself and one other employee most of the time. Um, but so, you know, I was in there a little bit growing up, but really kind of learning, you know, the optometry piece. Um, you know, I, I watched him kind of observed him a few times. And then after I finished undergrad, uh, I worked in his practice for a summer. So I became a tech in his practice for a summer. And then I took a year between undergrad and optometry school. So I got married, I got a job um, working as a tech in an ophthalmology practice here in Kansas City. Um, I actually remember teching for my dad the first day and I walk in, <laughs> I finished pre-testing this patient. I walk to my dad's door and he's sitting at his desk, you know, doing whatever, you know, digging through his piles of magazines. And uh, I'm sweating, like profusely <laughs> sweating. <laughs> and my dad's like, what is wrong with you? What, what is happening? Um, and I was like, I don't know. I just, you know, I just sweat a lot. And I guess sitting in this little eight by 12 room or whatever, maybe sweaty. So at that point he had relocated, built it, built his own building, you know, added some employees and had a couple exam lanes. And, but yeah, so that's kind of how I got started learning about the, the business and, um, you know, practicing optometry. Um, and really my dad's been a great mentor all along. You know, he was a guy that always was a one doctor one location, um, keep the, you know, keep the, uh, keep the bills under control. Um, always stressing when it came time to write out the checks and mail the bills. Um, but he also always kind of said to me, you know, it's a challenge when we go on family vacation because nobody's home, you know, put money in the bank account. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of taught me through that, uh, dialogue that, uh, kind of where I am now is really kind of evolved from that sort of mentality we're about to hear a train come by by the way i think i warned you about these yeah perfect uh so the bno railroad is going right right past uh lines backyard there it's gonna you're gonna think it's gonna run right over us there it is this is well actually my my house i'm about a half well not even a half a mile away from the railroad tracks for us and um you know for the first well actually it's kind of weird we had we lived in a house that was real close to it when we first moved to tifton and then we moved uh, we bought a house pretty far away. Then we moved back into towns so where we're a little bit closer. Now we're like not quite as close as you, but a half a mile away. And for the first like three weeks, every night, you know, you'd, you'd hear that train and then I never hear it anymore. Uh, it just never, it doesn't even happen, you know, unless I'm really paying attention. It's just, it's always there, but I never hear it, you know? Yeah, yeah that's awesome. I'm so th I'm in my, I, at this point, I have an office that's kind of separated away from the clinic practices um, where I can do things like this and, um, you know, do work things. Um, and I spend a few hours here now and then. Um, but it's in this little area. It's kind of this old downtown. It would be like a Tifton downtown, like moving into town. Yeah. We're riding Kansas City here, but it's this cool little old school Main Street downtown by the Missouri River with a train track. It's kind of cool. That is neat. I, I, you know, that would, that's actually a very good idea to have an office away from your office. I mean, I can't imagine how much you get done when there's not a constant flow of people wanting your attention. Yeah. And it, you know, at one time, so back in 2013, we can walk through these however you want to, but back in 2013, I built a, you know, a practice clinic building and, you know, built myself an office. Well, that office now there's two or three doctors in there most of the time. And, you know, it's, there's contact lenses. So yeah, it's just, we, 
we've grown and so everything's kind of got busier and bigger. Um, yeah, this works out nicely to have a little spot where I can go. And now the trick is getting here and finding the time, you know, to get down yeah. here. But. So, so let's get into your prices. I mean, you got 11 prices, um, you know, and that's more than most people would have. Um, when you first start, I mean, did you start off with one practice? Is that how you started off? I mean, and, and was it your dad's practice or was it somebody else's practice or how was that? Yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I first got out of school, I, my wife and I are both from the same town that we grew up in. Um, and we had in our minds, we're moving back home. I'm going to go in work with dad, you know, nudge him out and take over this place. Right. Um, <laughs> he wasn't exactly thinking that way. But, um, so I got a job offer on one of my internships um, here in Kansas city. And so my dad, you know, kind of said, Hey, that's a great idea. Why don't you start there? And then we'll kind of segue up to Maryville. So um, there's my cue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Number one. Um, but it worked out great. So it, uh, I started there with a pediatric ophthalmology practice here in Kansas City. It was fantastic. Um, started going up to my dad's practice one day a week, about a year into that. And again, kind of with the thought, all right, well, this will evolve. Um, was going really well at my dad's that one day a week. He and I talked about it a bit. We kind of decided, you know what, it's probably a better fit if I just open my own practice in Kansas City um, instead of kind of, it was pretty stressful for him kind of trying to feel, kind of feel out where's this all going to work for two of us here. Um, So, and I didn't really want to stay with the kind of corporate thing I was doing um, with the ophthalmology practice. So I decided I'm going to open my own practice, open it cold in a strip mall um, in kind of suburb part of Kansas city, about a, uh, we're about a hundred miles away from my dad's practice. Um, so did that open in a strip mall, did what every new optometrist that opens in a strip mall does where I look at the bank account, look at the bills, look at how many patients are coming in the next few days and go, holy cow, how's this going to work? How are we? But, but I had that kind of fallback of going to my dad's and I would go there on my one day a week. And at this time, by the way, my wife and I had two kiddos while we were in optometry school. So we got two kids at home. My wife's delivering papers. She got, got a paper route. So she was walking with her stroller, throwing papers to make a hundred bucks a month. Um, I was, uh, going to my dad's that was paying the mortgage, um, driving our cars from optometry school and, you know, paying, paying a little bit of student loan debt that we had. Uh, so yeah, started in a strip mall, um, you know, 1800 square foot had the one thing I, and this is interesting. I think I've learned this really well, but I built out that first space with the potential for six exam lanes. So, and these were eight. (laughs) What's that? From the jump, you, you built it out with six potential. I built it out with six rooms that were eight by 12 that could be exam lanes. I only put in, well, I started with one furnished and then two, um, but what I did, that was only 1,800 square feet. I did not leave enough room up front. So like the optical area, um, the reception area. It's like if you got enough people there to fill six exam lanes, you're going to have a lot of people moving around up front. There wasn't even room in the hallway. So we survived there for a while and it went really well, but we've, we've relocated. But um, that, was two, that was April of 2004 is when I opened that um, practice in that strip mall. 
in, um, uh, let's see, so 2005, I remember in May of 2005, revenues were terrible. We were, it was like, holy cow, what are we doing here? We had kind of progressively grown through 2004. Um, 2005 in May, I was, you know, thinking this is disaster, but, you know, Mays can be a little interesting in private practice optometry. Sometimes they, kids are, you know, traveling and families are a little distracted with other more important things. Um, But I kind of through that year of 2005 in Kansas City at that time, there was lots of momentum focused on kind of downtown, like the urban core part of Kansas City. And so I'd see that in the paper and the news. And so in January 2006, um, I had a patient come in and he was a commercial real estate guy. And I said, you know, Nathan, are there any optometrists downtown? I'm kind of thinking maybe there should be because these people are moving down there to condos and stuff. You know, maybe I should look at that. And so we just chatted about it like we all do when we have, you know, and, and I'd say probably the one difference maybe that um, that I would I guess pat myself on the back about is what I did the next day is I called that guy back. So rather than just having the conversation with him in the exam room, I was driving my car that was on its last leg <laughs> to my one office that was barely doing anything. And I called that guy and I said, Hey, m- remember our conversation yesterday? I'm just curious about rent rates and like, you know, doing a little homework on this, like, what would it take? Um, and he said to me, you're going to be shocked, but I walked in my office this morning and a coworker of mine is working with an optometrist who's been flooded out of his building. He's been in downtown Kansas city since the fifties. And he wants someone to open an office for him to move kind of practice in for a couple. So anyway, the stars just aligned perfectly. Um, and so, uh, that was January of 2006, and two months later, opened an office downtown Kansas City with really no over no debt kind of load to open that. Um, did it on a kind of just a bare bones, get it open. Um, Lord knows we didn't have any money at that time to open another office anyway, um, but got it open. It, interesting thing, Irv, Irv Fudenberg was this doctor's name. He had practiced in Kansas City since 1951. Um, he was in his seventies at the time, mid to upper seventies. He was on the main floor of a tall high rise building in downtown Kansas city that the owners of the building had vacated all the upper floors. And it was just his business and a uh, Chinese restaurant on the main floor. And they had a flood, a pipe busted and froze or froze and like leaked, flooded them out. The owners of the building liked that because they condemned the building. But I kind of said to him when I first met him, I said, you know, does this, should you retire? <laughs> you know, like maybe, maybe this is the sign. That, but anyway, so that, you know, that's how kind of that second practice. And immediately we had kind of easier cash flow. So the cash flow started kind of going better. Um, there were deposits from down there and deposits from up north. And I just kind of bounced back and forth. I brought on a part time associate doc. So a buddy of mine had a practice, he needed a doctor a couple days a week. Oh, that's per. I'll take them three days. You take them two days. So we, um, we kind of shared a doctor, um, worked out awesome. Um, and then really had no plans to do anything beyond that. Um, I was content with have two practices. Yeah. With two practices. And then you got another one 
and then another one. <laughs> so let me go. Let me. I want everybody to understand what this situation looks like. And if you go to uh, Vision Store Psychare website for Ryan's practice, and you look at the map of their locations, let me sort of describe this out. You've got uh, Fairfax, which is less than a thousand people in their population. Uh, pretty close to that is Maryville, which is a little over 10,000. Just south of that is St. Joseph, 75,000. So that's a pretty big difference in those populations from each little location. Then you've got Platte City, which is not quite 5,000, but it is right outside of KCI. I mean, it's right there next to the airport. So it's a completely different kind of demographic, I'm sure. You've got three-ish more in the, you know, or four, I think actually in the Kansas City, greater Kansas City area. And then three more south of there that are in rural situation. I mean, you've got practices from, from the top of your area to the bottom. It's 132 miles, two hours difference between the two places. And I'm certain worlds of different in the demographics and the culture of those communities. So, I mean, what what do you have to do? First of all, there's a, there's a lot of this is a really loaded question on this one. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this one. What's different about running one or two practices and running three and running seven and then running 11? What do you have to do different as a leader in those circumstances? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, when it, when you go from two to three, it's sort of that having children analogy where there's, you know, there's one on each of you. Now that now you got three and it all goes crazy. So at when I went from two to three, I really needed to start building some support in the kind of running the business side. Um, and I have a unique situation there where I, I have a, a very good um, setup with that, that, that started out a buddy of mine that had another job kind of came on board and helps me with that um, in his role. So, um, so that kind of going from two to three was kind of a, I need help. And, and I, I really, he came on board because he started grinding my teeth and started complaining a lot. He was like, let me try to help you with this. Um, (laughs) I can help you when you get, when you get beyond that, it really, uh, it really becomes about, you know, all these things you hear a lot about, but the culture, the communication, you know, the, the environment that you're building, you can't be the eyes and the ears any longer all day, every day in your location, you know, coaching and doing all the coaching yourself. So kind of, you know, I've learned that by not being very good at it, messing things up and kind of going, all right, we got to figure out how to do this better. Um, And so that's evolved over the years, but I think that's kind of the big, the big piece for us has been um, we want to maintain the same type of optometry practice that I saw my dad practicing goes in, he sees his patient, they visit about life, they, they build a relationship, um, they trust him, they trust that he's going to be there for them, the employees trust us, they trust the leadership, um, and they know that when I look them in the eye and I say, we are independent eye care, we're independent optometry, we are, in, we are adamant about we can do this better for our patients by maintaining our independence, um, I look my doctors in the eye, I look my patients in the eye, our employees in the eye. Um, and I can look myself in the mirror every night and be happy and proud of that, that, um, you know, we're going to stand strong for that aspect of optometry, just like my dad did with one office. 
And, and really the way we run our practices, we have doctors in those practices. So you mentioned Fairfax and Maryville, for example, which Maryville is where my dad started. Um, and then Fairfax, we have a clinic and a hospital up there. Dr. Leslie Whitman is our doctor that practices there. She lives in Maryville with her husband, Zach. The way I really run this business is she kind of runs, that's really her practice. You know, she comes to me and, and asks me, you know, hey, I think I want to add vision therapy to the practice. Let's look at that. All right, perfect. What do we need to do to do that? Um, she goes over to the, the Fairfax Hospital Clinic that we have, um, sees patients there, works. She's on the hospital board at Fairfax Hospital. Um, I'm going today. I think I mentioned to you, Ted, earlier. I'm going this afternoon. So Harrisonville, which is a practice, you know, 200 some odd miles away from. That's your most, that's your most Southern practice, correct? Yes. So that's the most Southern. Yep. So where I'm sitting right now is about an hour or so to Maryville and about an hour to Harrisonville. I'm about right in the middle. Um, I'm going there today to meet with the CEO of the hospital and an ophthalmologist about all of us, all of us working together in that community, um, you know, with our patients and where we're, where we're sending them and how we can be tied in with the hospital. And I'll tell you uh, the reality of optometry to me, suburban and urban optometry is a lot of uh, kind of the run of the middle optometry, right? The, a lot of refractive work um, and a little bit of medical. It's so fun when you get out to Mary. I actually go myself to Maryville on Tuesdays. Love it because you are the eye care for, you know, we're, we're the, we're the doctors, we're the eye doctors. Um, and everything comes to us. Um, it's really rewarding. I think when you can get, you know, and those folks that, that are doctors that live in those communities, love it. They, uh, they got a nice little drive, you know, they, they come to Kansas city and we hang out and do our thing, but, um, it's really a great way to practice optometry, as you know, because that's what you do. Right. But the difference for me is I'm not, you know, an hour away from a major metropolitan area. You know, I am, uh, I am, uh, well, I'm a little bit, I'm an hour and a half away from Tallahassee, which would be considered a uh, major-ish metropolitan area, um, with the exception. I mean, if it weren't for the Florida State University, it probably would not be a major at anything. Um, But you know, it's not really, uh, Tifton may be viewed as some as being geographically undesirable, if you, you know, be honest about it. I mean, but the thing that really I get out of it is I can be to just about any kind of thing you want to be near in two and a half hours by just getting in my car. I mean, I can be at the beach in less than two and a half hours. I can be at Disney World in four. I can be in Atlanta in two and a half. I can be you know, there are two airports that I can fly out of that are 45 minutes away from here. So it's not like we're completely, you know, completely set apart from everything. But, you know, it's it is the it is the fact that South Georgia is still South Georgia is still quite rural. And to get people to understand what the price is like, like you were just saying, where you truly are doing and you've done this, too. You've probably spoken to students at schools about what their practice is like. And they say the same thing. Oh, I want to move to a big city and do everything I learned in optometry school. Well, good luck with that because right next door to you is this absolute genius at one thing. And that's one of those things you want to do. And the next door to them is another genius that does something else completely different. And they're amazing at it. And so you better figure out what that one thing is that you're really good at, or 
you need to move to a rural community like where I'm at, where you have no choice but to do all that stuff because that's your day, you know. Um, and, and you know what's interesting there too is if you ever talk to an optometrist that practices in a more rural practice setting, yeah. everyone they're the happiest people you're ever going to talk to, right? I mean, life is good, right? I mean, I think optometry is so great to all of us, but I, it's you talk to the doctors that live in those communities. Uh, everyone, all my buddies here in Missouri that I see at the MOA meetings yeah. that are in these more rural areas, man, they've got a good, they've got life figured out. Well, I wouldn't say we're the happiest people on the planet, but I, it, is, it is pretty nice. I have to say, I mean, you know, my cost, my cost of living is way lower than a lot of our colleagues is, you know, the, the, how far I can stretch one of my dollars in this town is way better, but yet I've still got access to a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, it's not like it was when I first started practicing when, you know, there was no internet radio. I was really lucky if I could pick up one of the stations out of Tallahassee, you know, and listen to rock and roll music. And it wasn't just country all the time, you know? And um, so that's gotten way different. Um, But for the most part, you know, it's been a good life. It really has been. Um, Tifton's been really good to my family and we've had so many blessings in our life from being here. And uh, I, I just, yeah, it's, it's, I don't want to gush on too much about it because I don't want everybody in the world moving here for one thing. Uh, but at the same point, you know, I, I think that rural optometry, unfortunately, is going through a, a death spiral if they're, we're not careful. with it. Yeah, it's tr- It's a tricky thing. And, you know, I, I've given a lot of thought to, um, you know, with, with what's happening in optometry these days where we're losing lots of our independent optometry colleagues, um, you know, we're in a relationship business and we look at our practices as we are here building relationships with our patients. Um, we're not a transaction business. I, I see these practices that, you know, sell and do whatever else. Um, and they very quickly turn into just transactional businesses. Yeah. We're going to maintain this. And we do that in our, our, my practice. That's like, you know, it's right in downtown Kansas City. Um, our differentiator there is we're going to be a relationship business. And I think sometimes patients come in and they kind of, you know, have take a little, they're a little surprised. Oh, wow, there's a practice and, you know, right here that acts just like our practice in Maryville, Missouri or Harrisonville or Pleasant Hill, you know, in a more rural setting where, hey, we're here practicing optometry like the golden rule, right? We're going to treat you the same way we would treat our parents or our brother or sister or whoever, our neighbor. Um, we're, we're just here to take care of you. And we want to be easy for you to do business with. And it's interesting because some of these folks literally will kind of come in with their, uh, you know, they're just prepared for confrontation. Right? <laughs> they're just like, hey, I'm here. I'm a city person. I'm ready for you to, you know, tell me something I don't want to hear. And they kind of, they kind of go, Oh, Hey, wait a minute. This is interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize you were going to be nice people. Um, like, Hey, we get that. now we're in Missouri too, you know, Missouri, yeah. laid back, you know, I mean, we're, and, and uh, you know, we got good, good people here in Missouri. So it's that part of it's uh, pretty easy. Yeah. Missouri really is very similar to Georgia in far as the, I mean, with, with well, you guys have got two, really big cities with St. Louis and Kansas city. 
um, where we just really have one really big city with Atlanta, but I mean, we've got some other larger cities with Savannah and things like that. But once you get just a little bit outside of the outskirts of those communities, it is very much rural, very fast, you know, and I think that's something that, you know, Georgia is very similar. And I think the attitudes probably are very similar here as they are there. Um, You've got, so you've got these 11 practices, Um, you know, you've talked about how you're basically running each one of them with a relationship business. So what's the, what's the end game here? Where, where, you know, what do you, what do you do with these practices when you're ready to yeah. Yeah. So, um, my daughter who is a junior in college, um, is going to be taking her OAT and interviewing for optometry school. Um, so, you know, that's nothing more rewarding and, you know, satisfying. <laughs> What's that? And terrifying. Yeah. I got a son going through first <laughs> yeah, year got, school right now too. <laughs> and terrifying. That's right. She's our second kid. Our, our oldest daughter's a middle school Spanish teacher, just got her first job this year out of college and loving it and doing awesome. So super proud of her. Um, you know, our, our middle daughter is interested in becoming an optometrist, by the way, she never saw me in a row drinking coffee in the morning or, um, but, uh, but so that's, you know, to me, um, the end game here for me is independent optometry has served me well from the time I was born. You know, my dad was an optometrist. I was born while he was serving on an air force base. He opened a practice. Um, I followed in his footsteps. I've kind of moved things forward, you know, in optometry. Um, my end game is really let's keep independent optometry strong. Um, let's make sure that my practice and my doctors, um, continue loving what they do. And our, our practice continues growing. And, and, and so at this point for me, now I'm kind of looking at, all right, what's, what are the next pieces of this that we can kind of start adding? You know, I, I get excited kind of, um, you know, what's next, what's, what's the next phase of, and you've probably heard that, uh, that kind of philosophy called Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N, right? Constant improvement, right? So I kind of always like, you know, you, you, uh, January is kind of all this like, all right, you know, it's, it's, uh, let's look back at last year and see how we did. And I literally spend about, Oh, you know, an hour, couple hours reviewing last year's things. And then I go, all right, that was great. And you just take that paper and you move it, you know, and you go, all right, what's next. Right. What are we doing this year? Um, So for us, we're really, we're really into what's the next phase of just making this practice bigger, better, stronger, helping our patients do, do more making things more accessible for our patients. I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, um, you know, and and I'll I'll bring this up. So some of the products, you know, our businesses, you know, generate revenue through clinic, you know, medical side revenues, um, through our, through our optical revenues, you know, through our contact lens sales, and then also through our product sales. So those non-contact lens and eyeglass products, eye drops, supplements, brooder mask, you know, whatever mask you're going right. to recommend. Um, and so I was finding in my practice for a long time, I would recommend, okay, here's a high hyaluronic acid eye drop that I want you to start using. This one's going to do better than those over-the-counter ones you've been trying. And they use them and I see them a year later and they go, 
wow, that drop, those drops, you know, I bought for me last year, man, they were really great for six weeks. Um, but I never got any more of them because I couldn't figure out where to get them. Right. So a few years ago, 2018 or 19, I made a little online place for our patients to kind of reorder stuff from us. Um, and I had one person use it. Um, so nothing was happening with that thing. Um, and, and it was really because it was kind of this homemade little, you know, if you went on there, even I would probably be like, this is a little sketchy. I don't know if I'm ordering from this. Everything um, in comic book sand, stuff like that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, it was like a, it was like a, you know, a rotary phone sort of uh, <laughs> online, uh, e-commerce platform. So from that has evolved what we have now, which is called BIDoctorShop.com. And what we have is we've created a platform that we share with our other independent optometry friends. And so we all list ourselves on there. We encourage anybody that's listening, that's interested, shoot me an email or a text or something. Let's chat about it. But so we, we invite independent optometrists to be part of that. Um, when we have product sales, let's say Ted McElroy's office in Georgia has a product that you recommend to your patients and you hand them a bottle of this supplement in your office and then they leave and go home. Um, or you might go, I recommend it to them, but I don't really want to take the risk of carrying the inventory because I got to try to shuffle these out of my office and you know it's risky. So now we have a platform where doctors can share um, the revenues that are products are sold to patients that are our existing patients. Most of our products are sold to patients that none of us have ever seen. We can try connecting them with our practices and we use our doctor's offices to fulfill the products. So let me give you a, just sort of a, a real basic example. So Lumify eye drops, you know, we might recommend those to a patient. Hey, use this drop, um, get the red out. You know, this is the one you should use. What I don't want to do is tell them to go to the big box retailer right. to purchase that. As soon as they go there, now they're a patient. Now they're a customer, you know, a marketing customer of theirs. I also don't want to carry that in my practices. You know, I don't want to be burdened with trying to move it. So what's my other option? So now what we do is we say, go online to this place. This is where we want you to order them from. We can order them right here in the office. And the doctor that's on our one of the doctors that's on there pulls them off of his shelf. He carries them in his office and he boxes them up and ships them to him. So we use the, that doctor then is moving his inventory, getting it out of his office. Mm -hmm. He gets, he gets um, his revenue from that. So it's a good model that's worked out really well. We're, so we're a couple of years into that going now. Um, and it is, uh, it is working well. So it's kind of interesting. So those are sorts of things that we're kind of playing around with. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's also really important that we're trying to not continue to keep doing optometry the way optometry has been doing for the last, you know, million years. And I think that's important, especially for those of us who are fiercely independent and want to make sure that practice stays that way. And it's sorry to interrupt, okay. but as, as you and I know, I think when we do things together, it's going to be, that's how we're going to maintain our independence. Let's figure out how to take your independent practice and my independent practice and all the other hundreds of us, thousands of us that are around and let's do things collectively that benefit us. 
to help us compete with that, you know, those other folks. Um, so that's, that's the, uh, yeah. So kind of trying to figure out, you know, this online world has always been kind of this weird, you know, how does your practice do online business? How does mine do online? But, you know, and it's always kind of been everything I've always looked at was do this for your practice only. But the problem with those models has always been, this is going to help your existing patients purchase glasses from you or purchase whatever contact lenses from you. Right. What about the patient that's living in Tifton today? That's probably, you know, quarter of a mile from your house ordering glasses online right now, right? That's never been to your office. Doesn't, you know, they, they are doing something else. How do we get that person to know, you know what? Ted McElroy is really the guy in town that you should be working with. And, you know, there's got to be some model there that we collectively could kind of do together. So we're working on, I'm trying to figure out some sort of strategies with those things. And um, thankfully I've got smart friends like you that I can bounce ideas <laughs> off of. <laughs> and you, you'll, you'll see, if you go on the eye doctor shop, we list all the doctors that, are, that yeah. all those docs, you'll, you'll pull it up and you'll go, these are all friends of, mine that I've sat down one-on-one with and chatted about this stuff. And, and we kind of go, all right, yeah, let's, let's work on doing this thing. Um, so it's been kind of fun. Well, thank you for conferring smartness upon me, but remember at the very <laughs> beginning, I said I was not an honor graduate from Southern Council of oh, Southern College of Optometry. Um, you know, one of the other things that you've done a lot of has been very involved in optometry outside of the practice. I mean, you've done this from a point of, of, of industry, um, very involved with different corporations and things like that. And I guess the first question is, how did you get involved in that kind of stuff? Um, what, what was it that said, I, I want to do this? Yeah, yeah. Um, when I came out of, opto- well, my fourth year of optometry school, I went to our state association meeting. And while I was at that meeting, I was dealt a pretty good hand because my dad was an optometrist, right? So I kind of knew the environment, you know, I, I was, um, I was kind of teed up pretty nicely, but I, when I went to that first state association meeting, my fourth year of optometry school, um, they were already looking for someone to be the Northwest Missouri optometry representative on this, on our, um, board. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Kansas city and they went, Oh, whoops. You didn't move back to Northwest Missouri. How are we going to make you? Um, but I, I started right out kind of being involved with our state association. Yeah. And, you know, here's what I have found with some of my colleagues. That's kind of a grind. You know, when you're out of right, you're out of school early, you're, you know, you're trying to settle, you know, get your roots down and, you know, you're trying to pay the bills and you're having little kids and, you know, life is now, not just going to school. It's now trying to do other things. Um, you're missing weekends because board meetings are always on. We In optometry, for some reason, we think I can't miss a day of Monday through Friday seeing right. patients, which is mind-boggling to me. We still do this. We like to work on weekends because we have to work during the week. So we do other work on the week. So anyway, that's a whole other can of worms. But, um, but it's a grind early on. And you know, I was fortunate enough. My wife supported me. We had a couple of kids. We, we turned it into, you know, our family would go, my kids learned to stay at way nicer hotels 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> right, right. The, the meetings were always at a nice hotel and I was getting a room covered because I was on the board. And then my kids, when we finally went on a trip where I was paying for the hotel, they were like, what is this place? <laughs> <laughs> the Red Roof Inn. This is a way different thing than we're used to. Um, so uh, kind of a grind early on, but I, I did that. And really that being involved on the state level um, is really what moved me from, you know, just being an optometrist and, you know, going to my office and nose down on my work into this whole community of, you know, Ted McElroy's and all these folks that are out there that are doing other things. And I connected with all those people because you're, you work through your state association, you get on your state association board, you start going to AOA meetings, um, you start rubbing shoulders with other folks. And next thing you know, you're meeting other people and, you know, everything just kind of really everything just evolves from those relationships. Um, and all the things I do outside of my practice and my exam room are built upon relationships that were established. Just, and I think, frankly, when I look back on it, I just stuck with the grind when it was kind of the grind early on. Yeah. And as much as I didn't like, you know, missing my, kiddos soccer game when they were four you know i missed a few of them um for you know sitting in a board meeting but i, I stuck through the grind and that sort of evolved into which i i, I want to just to touch on this too i think that's one thing when i hear I, I hear folks sometimes in our profession um you know talking about the path that we're on and you know maybe is this good for future generations and is optometry you know, a career path they would recommend to someone. Um, I've never been forced to move. I've never had to take a job transfer. Um, you know, I can, I can have some control over my work day. Um, you know, I've, we've got three kids, our two daughters and our son's a senior in high school. Um, we are, you know, roots down. My wife has the opportunity to work from home now. She works for our practice. She's worked outside the home a bit and now back home, but was able to stay home with our kids and raise our family. And, um, I think there's, there's a lot to be said for the life's the life that our profession affords us to live. Um, and really at whatever, wherever, and however you're practicing. Um, I think it's, it's, uh, we kind of forget that. I think we start, we start looking at all the challenges. We sometimes forget, dang, this is a pretty awesome gig. Yeah. Um, and well, it's that way for the moment, I guess, um, you know, depending on how much these other ideas of how optometry should be delivered away from the way that you and I think it should be done uh, becomes a different story. I mean, you know, that's one of the things that people don't take into account when they turn their practice from being uh, an independent, fully owned by you practiced into some other private equity or whatever kind of entity owns it suddenly you're now at the beck and call of whatever that new boss has for you. And it might not be, I mean, let's, let's, let's uh, say that, you know, you lost your mind because I know who, who you are and what you're all about, but you'll say you lost your mind. You took a lot, all those 11 practices and you sold them to some private equity group. And, you know, now you've got 11 practices. How many, how many do you actually go to of those 11 practices currently? Uh, right now I go to three of them. Okay. So now they're going to spin you into all 11 of them. 
Remember, there's 132 miles between the farthest north and the farthest south. It's two hours difference time. And today you're going to be in Harrison uh, and then tomorrow you're going to be in, you know, in, in uh, up there in Fairfax. And, you know, then you're going to come back down to Kansas City. And, and you know, what's that life going to be like? Or, you know, oh, you know, we, we really want to do is we, we, we know you guys have set your feet, you know, really firmly in this community you're in, but um, we're going to actually move you to somewhere else. You know, so now that may not be the way optometry has that luxury of being able to be stable and balanced. And I think that's one of the fears maybe that we haven't even realized yet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it frustrates me sometimes when I see some of our colleagues that I really thought, you know, understood kind of what we were doing and, um, you know, my recommendation to anyone, rest assured, uh, I could tomorrow call somebody and do something different with my practices, right? Um, and I've had great conversations with wonderful colleagues of ours about what they did and how it worked and what, you know, and they've gone down the path of analyzing it. But you know what? This is, this is fun. Like, to me, I'm like, take a piece of paper and write down what makes you happy in life, right? You know? I know people that have a bunch of money in their bank account and that ain't the answer, right? You know, what makes you happy in life? You know, to me, I really enjoy as much as I spend a lot of time, you know, on emails and text messages and making decisions about, you know, what we're doing in our business and what's next. And, you know, in fact, I just emailed a contract today. We'll probably have practice number 12 here um, very shortly. Um, So I'd spend a lot of time doing those things man, it's rewarding and fun and I enjoy it. And I also love yesterday when I went and saw patients all morning and I'm in the exam room. It's almost like being in an exam room is kind of, to me, you know, I'm in my upper forties. To me at this point, I feel like it's kind of like this deep breath of just fresh air, you know, (laughs) right. I'm sure you feel the same way. And that's because I'm getting old, but you go in the exam room. I'm not getting old. I'm getting older. Well, yeah, something like that. But there's something, you know, something about, you know, you go in the exam room and you're just kind of like, you know, man, this is kind of almost kind of enjoyed it during those few months where everything was very scary and we weren't sure what was going to happen in life, you know, a couple of years ago and, and our practices. Um, I had no meetings on my calendar. I had no one. I had no agenda other than, you know, I'm going to go in. I'm going to see a few patients today, you know. And it was like, wow, this is a very simplified, something to be said for that simplification a little bit, as I am adding another practice. (laughs) (laughs) Level of complexity and a different type of thing, though. But still, yeah, I, I, you know, and, but I I do get what you're saying. I mean, you know, and, and I've, I think I've said this before on this podcast, um, my dear friend and idol, Mike Rothschild, a great American has said, you know, on a number of occasions, I think we've all gone through these periods every now and then that every time I touch the frother, it burns my skin. And I think we kind of do get into those, but I think the part that has made it where I really enjoy what I do and what I think I'm speaking for you here, I apologize, Ryan, but I think the reason that you do enjoy what you do is because you're doing so many different things within your profession that makes all those other things that are just the mundane grind that they're doing every single day, everywhere else. 
it's made it fun too, because you do have that chance for the variety and the spice of life, so to speak, within your practice and outside your practice, but it's still affecting your practice. Yeah, um, I think that's a great way to put it. I, I'm definitely not a guy to sit behind a computer for four hours in a row or really my attention span is right. As you have noticed, it's very, I got a lot going on, right? Which keeps it fresh and lively, which is also, I think works great in our profession because you're in one room and then you're out, you go in the other room and it's a whole new, um, a, uh, a really great friend of mine, Mark Saber, who's a uh, retired optometrist now, but, um, he and his wife worked together in practice and she jokingly would say, you know, he'd come home on Friday and she would say to Mark, Hey, let's go. Uh, we're going to have some friends or having a cocktail party. Let's go over to their house and hang out. Mark would kind of go, Oh, I don't know. I've, I've been having cocktail parties all week right at the office. Every, every 20 minutes I open the door and it's a new cocktail party, right? Hey, how are you? What have you been up to? What's been going on? Um, I thought that's a great like perspective on kind of kind of how you know relationship optometry practice you know really works. Um, you kind of have ongoing and going to cocktail parties twenty times a day is kind of tiring sometimes. So yeah, I think to your point, it's a good mix. I've got it. I have a very I'm fortunate enough to have a very good mix of mixing those you know the clinic time in with the other fun aspects of you know, my business piece and then, you know, the what's next eye doctor shop kind of pieces. And, you know, I do some speaking for a few companies, so I get to travel around a little bit. Um, just finished some time on the SCO uh, board, which was fantastic. Um, they're doing great things at, at our, at our alma mater, by the way. Yes. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, that's a great point. It does, it does give me a nice opportunity to appreciate, I guess, the time that I'm with the patients um, because I'm not, it's not a grind for me, you know? Right. Right. So I want to sort of hit a couple of rapid fire things here as we get to the end. Um, and we'll, I mean, you know, you can be a little bit verbose if you want to, but try to, you know, keep it a little bit. So what do you disagree? What did you disagree with when you were younger that you now think is, yeah, that's a pretty decent idea disagree with when I was younger you know I'm a middle child I've always been fairly agreeable um, to most things um, what did I disagree with I think I I think I disagreed with um, you know being geez Louise Ted you got that's a hard question man I, I need some I need some warm-up on these I think of things I disagreed with you know I thought I would be this sort of traveling all over the place doing all kinds of things when I was growing up and, you know, getting out of my small town and getting out there in the world. And I think I've, I've come to realize in my, in my years that, you know what, it's really who you're with. It's not where you are. Yes. I completely agree with you on that one. Are you too busy or not busy enough now? Mm. I'm a very happy right in the middle of too busy or not busy enough. Very, very diplomatic of you. That's very good. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so ask so me yesterday. Ask me yesterday. I was too busy. Ask me to you know Monday. I'm not. Yeah, I get it. I, I'm I'm the same way too. And, and I guess that's one reason why I kind of like that question is because I, you know I think uh, saying I'm busy has become the badge of honor. It's kind of a it's kind of a humble brag. I'm just I'm I'm busy, you know, and just. I think it's uh, it's kind of become a you know we we can't survive unless we're busy you know so that's kind of how it has to be. And I and, I, and I'm with you on that. I, I a friend of mine texted me a couple of days ago and said, "Hey, can you golf next Wednesday?" And I looked at my calendar and there were some things on there. And I said, "You know what? Yeah, I can I can go play golf with you next Wednesday. We'll figure that out. Take care of yourself, right?" Exactly. Yeah. You know that that oxygen mask isn't going to save somebody else unless you put yours on first. Um, so what it surprised you about having 11 practices that you didn't expect? Mm, boy, geez, Teddy, deep thoughts. Um, I think that what it's, what it's allowed me to do is bring on a really high level kind of team and what's what I think what's kind of surprised me, I guess, somewhat is, man, there are some amazing people out there working in eye care um, that would love to be in independent eye care if they could find a good place to be in independent eye care um, that really are, really are, there are these people that are just, their heart is in it so much. Um, and they're so impressive. Um, I think, you know, when I had one or two practices, I never would have had the opportunity to have some of those people kind of involved with my business. Um, having grown the way we have uh, has afforded us the opportunity to have some of those people kind of in the mix with us. And, and I've had to learn to sit back and be the listener, right? Some of these people are, most of them are way smarter than I am. So sit back let them kind of you know drive the show. Um, is this how you thought this would all turn out? No, you know, I thought I'd have two practices. Well, I mean, originally I thought I'd work in Maryville, Missouri at my dad's office and, um, you know, walk to the office. Um, no, you know, I thought I'd have two offices. Um, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't change it for, for anything, but you know, there's definitely been some, some bumps along the road to get here. Okay. So last question. Um, if you had the ability to um, be the person who chose the person of the day for the Google page, uh, when you do the search, it pops up the, you know, that person of the day, who would you put on that page and why? Man, um, person of the day, you know, I, uh, geez, Louise, and I gotta, I gotta think about these questions while I'm running on the treadmill. <laughs> That's how my brain works. Um, you know, I, if, if it were me personally, I would put my wife on the person of the day, um, because when I, you know, I get all the accolades, I get to do the, the, you know, podcasts. Um, there's always that other person, you know, whoever it is for whoever we are, um, that really makes it happen. Right. Like I can't do all of this without her 
building all that foundation and you know doing all the things she's done and um you know certainly my personal person of the day is is my wife amy i'll throw out this too i always used to talk about john smith the guy named john smith who's a wrestling coach at oklahoma state university phenomenal ncaa all-american national champion his name is john smith there's a million john smiths out there yes but that guy was always a and, and i'm a wrestler i got a little cauliflower here wrestling is a sport of you know what put your nose down get to work don't make excuses you know do your best someone might be better than you and when you're done you shake their hand you look them in the eye you say good job you go back to the wrestling room and work harder and try to make yourself better for the next time um and i think john smith's kind of the epitome of that um in life and in, <clears throat> certainly in the wrestling world um, and that's kind of a mentality that i try to live by that's great I have got a whole bunch of other stuff that we just don't have time for you to sit around and answer. Um, I mean, I'm definitely saving this for the next round. We do this stuff with, cause this was amazing. This was really great, Ryan. I, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this with me. Ed, you're stud. Appreciate well, it. I try. Appreciate Hey, this will be kind of, so I'm in my, um, kind of my office away from my clinic practices, Yeah, kind of my other office with some railroad tracks that are about two blocks away from here. So, um, we may get now, usually I'll hit mute if the, if the train goes by, but we may get a pleasant little surprise. Well, you know, but I mean, like zoom has made it okay for people to have stuff like that to happen now. I mean, think about it, you know, when you first, you know, there was, there was this, um, uh, thing, this guy's named, uh, Tripp and Tyler, um, these guys are do these funny little videos and they were talking about, um, I think it was the conference call everywhere and it had all these people sitting in the same room as if they were on a conference call and all the things that would happen on a conference call, like the dog barking in the background, you know, or somebody, somebody all of a sudden getting lost from the conference call, all of a sudden their chair would just, they would just disappear out of the chair and they showed them standing out in the hall, talking to the wall, you know, with the, the phone. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>